Welcome to the DevReady podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Shanif, who is from Reclusive. He is a chat GT, GPT consultant, uh, background in AI machine learning. Uh, going to be a lot of fun having this chat around how we can help businesses in the, the real early stages of chat GPT and what's happening in the world of AI and how we can learn from it as a business and embed it in our business to generate some real benefits. Shanif, thank you for joining us. Andrew, Anthony, thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And it's that early in the morning, I forgot to mention, it's coming all the way from New York. <laughs> so thanks for joining us from uh, there, probably about 5, 6 p.m. at night, I think, roughly. Give us that. Yeah. yeah. Yep, 6 yeah, p.m. Yeah. So, but it's yeah, great to end my day one. with you guys. Yep. Yeah, brilliant. It's brilliant. Good. Nice, easy way to end it. So tell Absolutely. us a bit about yourself. Obviously, there's a bit of background um, before jumping into ChatGPT consulting, AI machine yeah. learning background, technical backgrounds. What are you up to? Um, yeah, you know, I, I like to think of myself as sort of a data geek or a tech geek. I've been um, a software engineer for about 20 years and I've been doing data science for about 15, 12 to 15, depending on how long you think it's been around. Um, so, you know, I've been working in all sorts of businesses and companies. Um, I started a startup a while back, which was a which was basically an advertising company, one of the world's first mobile advertising companies. Uh, so we did that. We sold it to Twitter. So I worked at Twitter for a while as a machine learning engineer, software engineer. Did that for a few years, and then I started my uh, other company. We were using AI to help like e-commerce brands forecast what their customers were going to buy. And now I am doing a little bit of consulting, you know, helping businesses use ChatGPT with their own data. So something they haven't really been able to do without a lot of engineering resources. So been a lot of fun so far. You sold a company to Twitter. We have to talk about that for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, not a small that's thing. That's the first time someone's dropped that <laughs> comment on our podcast. So <laughs> explain that. Let's wait a couple of minutes there. But, yeah, it was it was sort of a wild ride. Um, this was we had started this company back in 2012, and eventually what it turned into was this advertising platform where large companies, you know, large e-commerce companies, were using us to show ads on mobile devices and mobile phones. And, you know, it was one of the first companies to do that. Um, I was the, I was basically the lead engineer for a while and then the head of analytics. Um, we built up this, this system that was handling about 1 million ad requests every second. So, you know, you're, well. you've got all these people around the world using their phones. And a lot of times those phones are going to show ads. Those ads would come to us. And then we would have to see, okay, who's, which one of our clients um, should we show this ad for? Uh, is it worth it for us to show this ad? Because we have to buy that slot every time. And we just built a system that was handling all this information, you know, in real time. Um, and we just ended up growing really quickly. Uh, we had a great founding team, uh, really, really smart guys. I was very fortunate to be along the ride. And we eventually started talking to Twitter to advertise for them or on their platform. And I think, you know, eventually it was like, hey, why don't we just buy you guys and you can build this for us, you know, internally. Uh, and so eventually the yeah. deal went through and, we, we joined their ads team and we started building um, on top of their ads platform. That's a great story. A brilliant story. Good story. Plenty of learning yeah. there. Unfortunately, it would have been before Elon Musk, so we haven't got any inside information, but. <laughs> That's all right. He, would have, he might have gotten rid of him anyway. <laughs> Possibly. Cut half the engineering team and then employed you back a week later. Uh, classic. But um, yeah, no, fascinating story. What did you learn from that experience? What was it like going through that? It's funny, you you know, those, that was maybe a three to five year experience. We started building about three years and then we sold Twitter. I was there for another three years. I learned more in that six year period than I think most people do in, in their whole careers. You know, there's so many learnings there. 
you guys focus on startups, small businesses. I think one of the main things I learned was if you're starting a company, it's really important to have a skill, to have a founding team that has um, complementary skill sets. You know, I'm a techie by heart, but we had fantastic sales guys, a great marketer. So that's really, really important. Um, finding people who you're willing to sort of work with for 15 hours a day, really important. Finding a market, I think, that is willing to move quickly and purchase your services is probably the most important thing you could do. You know, maybe even more important than your founding team. We were lucky in that we jumped into the mobile advertising space right when mobile phones were becoming big. And so getting into the right market at the right time is huge. But we didn't start mm. in that market. So pivoting quickly is huge. Um, you know, I could probably talk your off about learnings, but um, those are some of the things that, that yes. come to mind right off the bat. Yeah, bang, bang, bang. Maybe, maybe yeah. due for another episode. Didn't yeah, you? definitely. I think let's, we'll come back and explore that at another point because I think it's quite fascinating. Um, the people that go through those journeys, there's, they're few and far between. There's not many out there and you can learn a lot from them. I think you just mentioned something that's quite um, interesting, a market that's willing to buy and move quickly. And timing is important too, is one of the big things in the world of startups. So hitting the mobile market at the time, I think I'm looking at 2014 started. So there's a good timing there um, at that real, that market then. Yeah, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. But I think we'll get you on a podcast just to talk about that experience because it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Love it. Now, we'll pivot back to where we're actually going to talk about today. Um, so consulting in ChatGPT. So you're sitting in the world of consulting these days, helping businesses on this bit of a wild ride that's going on around us. Um, what's what's well, happening for you in that place? What was happening in November <laughs> and then what changed in <laughs> December for you? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I, I like to tell people right now reminds me of when the iPhone first came out. We've got this sort of transformative new technology, which which nobody really knows what to do with, but you know mm. that something big is going to happen. And so, you know, I'd like to also joke six months ago, this this industry I'm in didn't exist. There were no such thing as, you know, chat GPT consultants. Maybe not even now there are. But, you know, what's funny is a lot of people are starting to become interested. A lot of business owners are starting to become interested in what this can do for them. And they're also starting to worry a little bit about, hey, look, if my competitors are using this, what does that mean for me? Do I get left behind? So, you know, November, it was sort of interesting. You started to hear some some hype. December, you started to hear more and more. And then I feel like it exploded in January or February of this year. Things just started coming out of the gate and they started coming out of the gate really, really quickly. And all of this hype was built. And now you've got this system where everybody's using it. I think it was one of the software tools, maybe the fastest software tool to reach 100 million users, five days, I yep. think. And yeah, I think it was five days. Yep, five days. Number. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm. But I feel like despite all the hype, I feel like it's not overhyped. I think that there's a lot of things you're going to be able to do. I've already started building a lot of tools on top of it, which are helping businesses. So I think things are moving fast. And it's just one of those times where it's really exciting and you can start to really make new, new technology and new software that you couldn't do six months ago. Yep. We had signed up, I think, to OpenAI. I've had my account, I don't know, it was early last year at some point. I remember playing with the playground, but I was like, okay, yep. it looks pretty cool. Yep. But that was GPT-2, so it wasn't that great. Yep. And then I just forgot about it. And then You're, it's like, you know, all right, it's true. the new model's out. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> shit, this is unreal all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> that quickly, I know. Well, that's what happens. The model came <laughs> out, the new model changed everything. And then GPT-4 is, again, another leap about, above with how well it can Oh, how, how much context it can understand and present a usable response. 
it's so true how quickly these guys are moving. I was the same. You know, I saw this the early days. Uh, it wasn't even chat GPT at the time. It was just GPT. And, you know, you're like, all right, this is kind of interesting. Okay, some people are starting to write blogs with it. Great. But then you see what happened in March, you know, this year, April of this year. Everything is moving so quickly. The models have advanced so much. You know, you see this machine starting to act rationally and reasonably and come up with very intelligent outputs and that sort of changes the game. And this is, it's only been six months, right? Six, seven months. So we'll, we'll see what happens yep. the rest of this year. Yeah, the craziest thing I've read about the GPT-4 was there was a Microsoft research study comparing GPT-3 to 4 and they're asking it a, a like a riddle question saying mm. you've got a laptop, nine eggs, a book, a pencil, and a nail. And what's the best way to balance them all? GPT-3 is like, all right, put the egg on top of the nail and you might be able to balance the laptop on top of the nail, but be careful. And then GPT-4, <laughs> with how much you can understand, it's like, get the book flat, put the eggs in a three yeah. by three grid and then put the laptop on top of the eggs and then put the other things on top of that. So it's able to get that level of reasoning out of whatever it's inferring to make. That's why I think yeah. that explosions happen is how, how well it can put that information together. Yeah, it's, it's got this ability to, I hate to use this word, but quote unquote reason um, in a way that no machine has been able to do before. And we, you know, we know it's not really reasoning. It's the way it works is just predicting the best set of words to come next, right? But the way it does that is so, so, it's just so optimized that they've done a really good job. It opens up a, a brand new world of possibilities. Yeah. Like, technically, it's not even like artificial intelligence, like real artificial intelligence, the way people would think of it, but that's how they're treating it. So we're, we're not even at that point yet where it can think for itself. Yeah, I hate, you know, it's funny, people, uh, the media is so bad about this. They talk about AGI, like artificial general intelligence. Mm. They talk about machines taking over. They talk about all these things, but in reality, it's math. It's just a bunch of statistics, basically, that figure out what's happened in the past. In this case, what do people tend to write? And then what are they most likely to write next? So it's it's not thinking, it's not doing anything I mean, it's really sophisticated technology, but in, in the end, it's, there's no thinking involved. It's just math to predict the words that come next. And that's one of the things that people who don't work in AI and machine learning do worry about. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, are these machines going to take over? In reality, we're so far away from that. I don't even know if it'll ever happen. Um, but it, yeah. it makes for a good headline if you're a media oh, The Matrix company. and Terminator, I think, scare everyone. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Too many movies people watch. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned quite a bit around um, business owners and businesses that are either one concerned about not using it or getting on the bandwagon, as we would call it in Oz. I'm not sure if you know that term or that's similar in the US. Yep. Um, yep. But what's some of the things that you're seeing within the world of business and the consulting and consulting businesses? Is it concern or is it optimistic in terms of what this can do for us? What's the feeling out there? I would say most of it is optimism and excitement, especially in the world of SaaS, which is where I tend to focus a lot. Uh, SaaS founders, uh, startup founders, people who work in the world of software are very excited about how can we use ChatGPT to extend either extend the offerings that we're already providing, uh, open up a new world of offerings that we might be able to do very quickly, or just make what we're doing more chat enabled. Um, so people are excited because this opens up a new world for them to offer new products and services that should hopefully grow their sales. Now, that being said, there's there's also the contingent of folks who are worried. They're like, hey, I need to figure this out because if I don't and all my other competitors do, then we're going to be left behind. 
I tend to find that that is something that happens maybe with larger companies who don't want to be left behind. They know that they have to start using this, but for them, the risk is something, you know, they don't want to jump in right away because maybe there's data risks and things. Uh, so for larger companies, there is a little bit of that. Smaller and mid-sized companies are seeing a lot of the benefits and are excited. And I, I think that that's sort of reflective of the, yeah, I, I think that that's how people are thinking about this right now. Mostly optimistic, but a sense of, hey, I need to figure this out now because everyone else is looking at it. I don't want to be left behind. Yeah, I, I think I, I did a poll on LinkedIn it, and it's a similar response people have been giving. It's highly optimistic, but then all right, what, how do I use it or what do I do with it so I can be optimistic about it? It's not, yeah, I'm not the one yeah. using it. Someone else will use it and then I'll be left behind. So it's how do we keep ahead with it, up with it? That's a, that's a big concern. People don't know what to do with it. They know they want to use it, but they don't know how. And so that's something that I work on educating folks about how to use it and what, the, what it could do, what are the use cases. And I think the education piece is important, right? If we don't know something, we don't know what we don't know, it becomes a fear. Um, or a, what do I do? If this is too overwhelming, um, for me, I think I signed up early Jan, Feb, started playing just with ChatGPT. I think I was the earliest one in, in our business, uh, but I found it quite fascinating as to how it helped me in the day-to-day work that I'm doing. I'm using it for proposals. I'm using it for all the bits and pieces. The private chat's been great because I'm using it for that now so I can lock down and maybe ask it some more poignant things around uh, the specifics and projects and bits and pieces. Um, yeah, so I found it quite fascinating and the value that you can get from it um, and the amount of time saving. It helps with that sort of, um, for me, it's that creative block. So I sit in the world of all right, early stage thinking, product ideation, how do we help a client? Let's propose something or put a bit of a direction together. Writing that is not fun. I've actually recently started just talking to it. So I use my voice, chat to it on my mic, and it just makes it easy for me. And I find it quite fascinating. We just have a conversation with a computer and it spits back something that's probably better than I can do in an hour or so. Um, and it does it in a minute. So yeah, yeah, that, and you just have to talk to it. So that's the exciting part, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. Um, embedding into technology and having really, um, I see the, the fascinating part of around businesses. Yes, the SaaS businesses, the canvas of the world, the big players that are coming out with these ideas and how they're using it. Um, that's where it gets quite exciting from a, a standpoint of I'm a business using a piece of technology and all of a sudden my efficiency has gone through the roof. Um, that's when it opens up the gates to a lot more opportunity for people um, and a lot more opportunity for businesses, predominantly at that smaller end, to really leapfrog and take more advantage of the technology. I 100% agree. I think productivity business productivity is going to go really through the roof over the next 12 to 24 months as people start to figure out what this can do for them. One of the things I've said in the past, or well, actually, sorry, not me, but the chief data scientist at Google said that ChatGPT is really good at tasks and it sucks at jobs. I think right now what people are starting to understand is you can't just say, hey, I'm an accountant. Go do my work for me, right? It's not going to know what to do. <laughs> Correct. But if you yeah. say, you know, take this data and figure out this particular thing I need figured out, it's very good at that. And I think businesses are going to find the sweet spot for their own business about where ChatGPT can be used and how to leverage it. And everyone's jobs now are going to become um, a lot more efficient. 
So Andrew, like you, you know, I write a lot of code these days and coding can be very tedious. You know, it takes a lot of time sometimes as, as Anthony probably knows yep. to go through and find something on Google or figure out why is something just not working when it should be. And I've found myself just asking ChatGPT to handle a lot of the nuances that would normally take me hours and hours to figure out. And it hands me a response within a couple of seconds. And I found myself being much more productive. Now, you know, people are worried. Does this mean that software engineers are going to get replaced? Well, no, I don't think so. I think it's just another tool. You have to figure out how to use that, that, that tool properly. If you don't figure it out, maybe your job will be replaced down the line. But if you do figure it out, that just means you're going to be more effective at what it is you're doing. And I, I think that's something that ChatGPT is really going to make a big impact in, um, and not just software, but accounting, think, law, everything. Specifically with the software piece though, I think there will be some jobs that are going to get lost because if you're getting more efficient, you don't need as many seats. So if yeah. you think about all the outsourcing that yep. happens in India, Eastern Europe, Philippines, like they're going to get really affected, I think, because the few people that are there will be able to do the work of four or five of them. And then they will be the cheapest in the world because you only need one, not five. But I've got a slightly different take on this. I feel like like small, medium businesses are able to go and build a piece of technology and it costs them a bucket of money these days to build a piece of technology for their business that's unique, that's different. Maybe it's a different process flow. It's an app or whatever it might be. Now they can potentially, over the next two, three, five years, they could have enterprise-grade software for the price of what it was to build an up in 2022. And... Yep. I feel like as businesses and as the opportunity lies, you're going to be investing still into solutions. It's going to become more cost-effective, more efficient, and you're going to get more value and deliver more value to your customers. That's my current take. It will probably change, but that's my current thinking because as a business, if I can go and build a Salesforce-like solution that's made for me and I don't have to muck around with configuration, it's going to cost me that tenth of what it did um, last year. I would consider that as a business because it's made for us and if we're big enough to handle that that expenditure. So that's more the thinking of how I see the value of what's going on and the, how we can leverage the technology and get more value for each business, each operation, each industry and grow as how we service our customers, et cetera. I'm, I might venture to say both both perspectives are, are accurate. I think you're definitely going to find businesses start to use this and start to find ways to deliver solutions for cheap. And I'm also starting to see, you know, scenarios where, you know, Anthony, to your point, I imagine a world where maybe you've got senior engineers now that are managing 200 projects. Maybe 10 engineers are managing 200 projects and you don't have the junior level engineers that you used to. And so from a jobs perspective, I don't know if, you know, right now we are starting to see a little bit of layoffs. I don't know if there's going to be a massive amount of layoffs. I think what's going to happen is companies like you said, Andrew, are going to be able to deliver products more effectively and cheaper using their existing teams. People are going to grow into senior positions and those senior people are going to have more and more responsibilities and perhaps they'll just hire fewer and fewer junior people as time goes on. And so I don't know if the jobs are going to be lost or if they're just not going to be there anymore, but you know, maybe it's a nuance that doesn't matter. But I think the point is that I guess ultimately this is going to really make businesses more productive. And if you're somebody who's using chat GPT, you know, and, and you are employed, you're going to be a lot more productive as an individual as well and probably be able to handle a lot more projects at once. Yeah, definitely. The scale it can provide, even just in these early stages now, is amazing. 
I can write yeah. a three-hour article in an hour now with editing, so it sounds like me when it's written the base of it. The message I connected to you with, Shanif, was uh, ChatGPT written. Love it. I love um, it. Uh, and write I, me yeah, an outreach awesome. message. Okay. And then, okay. <laughs> Make it sound friendlier. Change this part. Do that part. Bang. Now I'll just send that out. Well, I'm here now, so it worked, right? Yeah, it right. worked. And then worked. once that, then you're interacting with me. But yeah. the initial one is, yep. it's, it just saves me an hour of thinking, how do I write the right message? Big. So true. Easy to change. But on the coding front, I don't code anymore. I used to 10 years ago, but I'm writing macros for Excel because I haven't done that forever in a day, but I'm not <laughs> writing them anymore. Chat GPT, can you do this for me? And you stick it in, paste it in, and it works. It's like, what the hell? Um, yeah, so <laughs> that front, it's, yeah, a bit well, mind-boggling. Yeah, as a developer, like yeah. converting data into JSON, if you, that, that I, I saved myself three, four hours last week in one task just by doing that. And then I got it to write the code to use the JSON that it gave me to output stuff on the website. So then save more time. And that's very basic things that were not a problem. As soon as I go into a little bit more complex thing, it had no idea. But that's just because that's what it's been trained on and what's on the internet. If it's something very new, you're not going to get the information out of it. That's true. I've run into a couple of situations where because it was only trained up until 2021, it was not able to help. Um, it doesn't happen a lot, but if when it does happen, you, you can certainly see the limitations. Um, but I, you know, I use it the same way, Anthony, and it, it saves me a ton of time. Now that I'm still writing a lot of code, it just means I'm writing more stuff more quickly and rolling things out the door much more quickly. Yep. Yeah, that's it's the the scaling the enabler. That's what it is. It's it's just another tool. The way I'd like to say it's you're like you're herding the sheepdog, and the work is your dog the sheep. So you're just telling the dog where to go and push everything. There's just as long as as long as you can tell it each little task that you need it to do, you'll get what you want. If you tell it to do the whole job, like you said, it's it's just going to yeah. fail. Oh, That's yeah. the experience I've seen. All the sheeps are going to go in different directions and the dog's going to sit there wondering what happened. So we got a yep. smarter dog and a better dog, I guess. That's a good analogy. I was going to say, what, what have you been seeing with some of the businesses that you've been working with on some of the gains that they've been seeing or how they're trying to implement it within their business? There's, a, there's maybe a handful of use cases that sort of keep coming up. Um, the one that's most popular is what I'll call contextual information retrieval. The idea is maybe you as a business have a bunch of internal documentation or some sort of knowledge base, and you want to be able to ask questions of that knowledge base the same way you talk to ChatGPT on its website. But you know maybe ChatGPT wasn't trained on that information. Maybe it doesn't have access to the latest data. Businesses want to be able to converse with their data without having ChatGPT make stuff up. And so a lot of the projects I'm doing now um, basically get them to connect their their data to ChatGPT when you ask a question so it knows how to answer the question properly. I'd say that's maybe 50 to 60% of the conversations I have, some variants of that. There are other conversations as well where people are looking at brand new features that they can offer. Um, in general, those look like those look like essentially taking large amounts of content and transforming them somehow. So what does that mean? Well, you might have millions of user-generated pieces of data, maybe reviews, maybe tweets, whatever it is, and you want to be able to batch process that data to do something else, maybe come up with a score. This is a great piece of art. This is a, this is a worthy news article or this is fake news. Or this particular set of uh, reviews has a whole bunch of co content that falls into this category. You know, you want to do that at scale. Millions and millions of pieces of generated, millions and millions of pieces of content categorized or processed at scale. Now, a lot of times you weren't able to do something like this before because processing something, maybe that meant doing something intelligent with it, like 
categorizing it or uh, summarizing it or telling me, okay, what does this actually mean? And up until, you know, a few months ago, machines really couldn't do that, but now they can. And so some businesses want to be able to offer these features as a new offering uh, for their customers, for their employees, for their internal stakeholders. And then you sort of got a long tail of really interesting use cases where maybe an existing SaaS company wants to build a chat app on top of their SaaS product so that it's got a chat interface. Or maybe an existing company wants to do something brand new, like build a brand new app where it's got a whole bunch of chat features installed and it centers around the ability for users to talk with machines. So, you know, I would say maybe that's 10% of the use cases I find, which are these really long tail, unique use cases, but I can't bucketize them. Ultimately, I think what I'm finding is businesses want to be able to incorporate this technology into what they're doing now or what they plan to be doing in the next six to 12 months, uh, usually around the idea of generating new revenue, but frequently around the idea of solving customer problems or internal employee problems using data that they already have. I think, yeah, having that ability to have your, your business's knowledge available to query instead of asking in Slack or Teams and going, where do we find this yeah. document? If you can just ask the chat and it can give you the link directly to it and give you a summary of it or whatever you want out of it, that's a huge time saving again for any business. Plus it just centralizes the knowledge so it's not have to be doesn't have to be shared among the team and figure out who do I ask for what information I need. That's such a big use case. A lot of people want that. A lot of people want that. So that's sort of the main use case I'm working on these days. In terms of that particular use case, Question, how hard is, how long does it take a business to get there with the movement of technology? Is it, that, is it difficult for them to really get there? I think it's, uh, there's a lot of stages. You know, the first stage I generally recommend any business to, to do is just build a proof of concept or a POC. See if you can even get this technology to do what you need. Um, maybe you've got some data source that just can't be used for whatever reason with ChatGPT. Like it's really right now, it's not good with, with numbers, right? Maybe you have, you have to use a plugin. Um, one of the customers I'm working with now was like, hey, can I just give you my Excel file and have ChatGPT answer questions of it? And I'm like, you know what? It's not going to work really well. Build a proof of content. Make sure that it can actually do what you need. Once the POC is done, you can start to scale it into what I call an MVP or minimum viable product. That might mean instead of just working with five hand-chosen documents to, to ask questions about, you plug in your entire Google Drive or one folder in your Google Drive. And you have it take all those documents and you can see if you can ask questions and it comes back with reasonable answers. A lot of times this is possible, you know, and that's actually a lot of the work I'm doing now. As you scale, you do come across issues. You know, one of the issues I've come across is ChatGPT's uh, rate limits are pretty bad. If you're just going to the website and typing in a question, you don't have to worry about that. But if you're a developer and you're plugging into their API, you can't ask more than a few questions every minute. And, and that's rate limited at the organization level. So you're running into all of these issues. So, you know, the point I'm trying to make is start small. Just make sure that what you, what you need to do or what you want to do is, is technically feasible. Build a small proof of concept. And then if you find it working, you can start to scale up from there. And I've had good levels of success with that. Um, we're still early days in this. So it's not working amazingly well. It's working fairly well. But I think that as OpenAI improves ChatGPT, as people start to get used to asking questions in a different way than they've been asking things for search engines. Uh, you even have to chat with ChatGPT differently than you would chat with a human. You have to start to learn how to ask your data questions. As people start to become acclimated to this and ChatGPT gets better, 
we're going to start to see a lot more successes here. And so I, I do think it's, it's certainly feasible right now. Yeah. I think just touching on that rate limit thing that you mentioned there, the very technical thing, but having the understanding of how many tokens you can use and a token roughly, so I think four characters. So yep. eventually even ChatGPT it loses context of what you're talking about. If the conversation goes for too long, I don't think people understand. I think they think if I can see the whole chat window, ChatGPT knows everything that's there. Yeah, I've had it go don't... off the rails halfway through a response. <laughs> it's true. It's, it can only remember so much, just like us, really. But if you talk about it, if your conversation gets very, very long, it's not going to be able to help as much as, it, as maybe you think it would. And again, you know, maybe if you're using the website, you, know, you probably come across this, Anthony. It happens, but not so often. But if you're plugging into their API, it happens. You have to be very careful about stuff like this because it's, there's not as many guardrails. And so yeah. it is certainly something I deal with on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, on ChatGPT, when you're there, when it's giving you the letters, the word, the response letter by letter, that's by yeah. design to slow you down. Because <laughs> when you do the API, you get the response all at once. It's not streaming. They just stream it on the UI to slow you down so you don't hit that limit. They do a good job of making it seem, you know, it's, it, it does seem faster when you're on the on the website because of that streaming thing. On the API, it takes a long, long time to get a message back. So, yeah, you're right. You know, they've done a good job. I think their API is probably going to be improved over time. Right now, they've spent a lot of time on the website. But ultimately, I, feel, I still am really excited about the uh, about the technology as a whole. I actually like the fact that it types out the words so you can read them as you go. <laughs> so I like that. If it did me a slab of text, I wouldn't be very impressed. Yeah. So I, th I think <laughs> it's good. I think it's got faster too. I think well, on the website, yeah. it makes well, sense because it helps yeah. you read yeah. it mm -hmm. as it's coming out. Yeah. When I'm doing stuff in the API, I just get a giant slab straight away. But yeah. now I yep. understand why they've made it stream on the website. Mm -hmm. it, makes, it lets you keep up, but it also slows down the damage that you can do to their APIs <laughs> with that, 100 you know, million people using it. <laughs> Anthony, they do have a streaming API. I have not used that yet because you have to support, you know, streaming capabilities, which is kind of a pain. But like you, I generally get a, a quick response. I get a response back all at once. I haven't yeah. tried the streaming API yet, but maybe one day I will. Yeah, I haven't tried to build a chat interface yet. Yeah, no need to recreate the wheel. It's already there, correct. Yep. <laughs> In terms of um, the the... And I think what you described there was how everyone should build anything that's in the world of technology. Let's pilot, let's proof a concept, let's do something, let's design a bit of an MVP, um, let's test that, gauge that, is it viable, let's drive yeah. forward, let's roll it out. Um, right now, there's a thousand and one plugins and tools and people integrating and um so many things out there that businesses could get lost in just trialing, testing. Have you gone down that path in terms of with businesses or has it just been more predominantly focused on the uh, big data, how do we get it in there, how do we query it? Yeah. You know, it's funny. You talk. I talk to a lot of CEOs and founders and a lot of them can be visionaries, but that also means they might have 50 things that they think that ChatGPT mm. can help them with and 100 yes. things, 100 different projects that they want to do. And sometimes you're talking to a person who just goes on and on and on about all the things they want to get accomplished. And so it's on mm -hmm. me to make sure that I rave them in a little bit and say, well, this is all great. Some of this you can't even do today. You're going to have to wait 10 years. But really, what is the problem that you're facing in your business right now? What's something you find yourself doing a lot that maybe is related to natural language? Or what's a task that you find yourself having to outsource to your VA or personal assistant? Let's work on that. Or let's work on something that you already know is going to generate a lot of money for you because it's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. 
Let's focus mm. on the on the things that you think can actually help. Let's build a POC around that. So, you know, I would say 80% of the time, people have a very well-defined idea of what they want. They just need somebody to build it. The other 20% of the time, people are just, they've heard about ChatGPT. They think it's it's going to help them, but they don't really know what it does. And they just don't know what they want out of it. Again, it comes back to education. It's, uh, you know, you have to help them understand this is what it can do. What problems are you having right now that you think it can help with? Back to that simple 101. What problems can we solve with technology? Yeah, let's find the biggest burning issues in the business. You know, what's the things that aren't efficient? What are people spending most of their time on that we could potentially help with? Um, that's anything and everything when you're solving problems, it's more that problem focused state. Um, I think just keeping it really simple, if you're a business out there, uh, looking at what are the, those key tasks, maybe speaking to your employees, what are the things that are bottlenecks for them? What do they get frustrated on? What are those repetitive tasks? Could we embed something there or could we do yeah. something different? That's simple 101, but starting there would be where I would think it's it would just make a lot of sense. Solving the problems that <laughs> basically, uh, the way I say it's the most repetitive tasks you can probably automate. It's the, if you think about it, like it's when there was a hand drill and then the electric drill came out. It's almost that, that's all we're talking about here. It's just a better tool to do what you're doing. It's not going to do everything you want just by asking it. You need to know exactly what you need to do, what you're trying to achieve. And in bite-sized pieces, just keep drilling holes. You're just drilling holes faster. <laughs> a lot it's quicker. A I'm causing more damage probably at the same time. It could well, be, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to keep up with everything. In terms of um, some of the successes you've seen in the past, it's not many months, but it's just no. say four <laughs> months, <laughs> four months. What have you found has been quite successful um, when working with businesses? What's some of the key things that are, wow, that worked quite well and that's delivered yeah. X and what have you found? You're right. There's a, like I said, this industry is so new. I, I have a sort of a handful of things. Most people are, are building POCs and they're doing hackathons. They're doing small projects. I think a lot of people are finding success in that information retrieval use case. Like I mentioned, they're, they're connecting their documents. They are hooking up maybe their existing Slack channels and asking questions about stuff that already exists. That works very well. Um, I'm also seeing successes with people, you know, Anthony, you did this generating content or generating sales materials. And that could look anything like generating a deck to just a quick email to a LinkedIn message. That is something that works very well with chat. Day-to-day um, -day usage, people are having a lot of success asking questions of it and having it solve it solves problems, coming up with code that it should write. Bigger pro now, bigger projects, businesses are working on bigger projects and it's sort of early days right now. But I think that from what I'm seeing, a lot of people are starting to build chat-enabled apps that can do a few different things. They can These apps can follow instructions. If you guys have heard the term auto-GPT, it refers to a set of technologies that you just have a very large sort of vague open-ended thing you want some you want the machine to do and then you use chat gpt in conjunction with a lot of sort of software tools that it has access to to, to accomplish your task we're going to start to see a lot of that stuff now um, more fully functioning features um, more sort of business oriented applications in terms of generating content and, doc and documents or answering content and documents i don't know though you know long answer short mm. I don't know. We're going to start to see a lot of different apps and features come out that we never could have imagined mm -hmm. before. Some of them have started to come out now. Businesses are starting to see initial success and they're, they're doubling down on that success with more and more engineering work and resources. <laughs> it is that early, um, but I think it's good from what you said there. Just start incrementally like anything. 
uh, little bite-sized pieces, see what you can learn from the technology, um, and then evolve from there. Uh, I, we're playing. We're in a sandbox right now. I think all of us are that are in this space. Um, we're having a bit of a sandbox with one of our clients that we're building some tech with and how we might embed some stuff with him actually this week. And we're doing a bit in our business. It's like we're quite process-driven. Like how do we put and speed up processes along the journey of what we do? Um, and I think every business would start thinking that way. It's you've got a process, you've got a system, and then there's some parts of that system that you may not be happy about, your staff may not be happy about, or your customers may not appreciate. So let's look to fix those first. Um, yeah, so that's one way that we're seeing some value um, in that sort of space. But yeah, I think the key takeaway, and the, I think the big one for businesses is that information one. Um, Anthony, you've mentioned that a couple of times, but we haven't really explored much of it yet. So I know you're having a bit of a look around. We think that other some value. contextual yeah. information. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. yeah, when we were sitting down with um, one of our clients, he said uh, he had a handbook. He's a he's a franchise business. He had his handbooks, and he goes, "How do I get this in there so I can just ask it questions and make, build marketing material for me?" And I think that would be a good solution for him. Um, dump all your information in. I think. Taking that just on, on a side, the value that adds to the business is now I'm in one department and I can drill around a business and understand more about the context of the entire business all of a sudden if the business opens it up. By bringing third-party consultants, I can open up some of the more context around a business to those consultants so they can just get a swarm of information without going through those major stakeholder engagements, those conversations and garnering that information that they need, saving a lot of time just in those areas. So it's a lot of value in that information piece that could be driven and help businesses along the journey. There's a lot of a lot mm. of such interesting opportunities here. I think mm. the world is sort of our oyster. Awesome to mm. hear that you guys are building this stuff. I think the main takeaway is start small, focus mm -hmm. on the problems that you have, don't go mm -hmm. too crazy and, and yeah. build something that's really yeah. meaningful for you. Um, and build on top of that. That's something I've, I've always learned in my career. And I think you guys are doing it the right way with your clients as well. Yeah. It's just trying to keep up with everything. So as a technical one, I need to understand what it's capable of. So I can then, we can then formulate how we can use it in someone else's business. So like when you mentioned auto GPT, seeing what that thing can do the first time. Yeah. When you say, so just everyone knows, so auto GPT is an eight, like you're talking to chat GPT to create tasks for another instance of chat GPT effectively. So you say, I did an experiment. I'm like, all right, find, go to my, our website and I want you to find competitors of who we are. I I find out who we are, find five competitors, find the clients of those competitors and then find me contact information. It got to the point where it was, these are the email templates to send to these people. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, shit, I started freaking out. I'm like, okay, how's it email? sending emails or in the only tone without my permission? <laughs> guys, I think it just sending emails. <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm open AI's um, chatbot. I'm sending emails on behalf of Anthony. Perfect. Would you like a chat? I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really like, it's almost scary at the point of what it can do if you let it have free reign. So I made the mistake of saying, yep, don't prompt me for the next 200 prompts and just do whatever you want on your own. <laughs> yeah, when you don't have the control, it's, it can go off the rails or do things that you don't expect. So doing yeah, those small bite-sized things makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. It's you. Same thing that we tell clients to do. We're saying do the chat GPT when you use it, start small, don't do too many things, focus on one task at a time and think logically and linearly from there. So 
sort of an interesting, um, you know, analogy from what we tell people to do and what we tell chat GPT to do. Yeah, it has to be the same thing. Yeah, brilliant. It's true. Well, Shanif, I think that's been a great episode. I really appreciate you coming on the Dev Ready podcast, talking about something a little bit different, but it is uh, quite topical right now and in everyone's mind, chat GPT and the world of AI and uh, what's going on all around us. So thanks for sharing all of all the, uh, from, you are in New York, that's right, all the way from New York um, and coming on this morning for us and this evening for you, or yesterday evening for you. I'd love to get you back on and talk about that Twitter experience with Tap Commerce and go deeper into that because there's definitely some insights you can deliver for our listeners. To give a bit of context, we help non-tech build better tech. So it's about founders, businesses, owners that are predominantly non-tech founders is who we target, um, helping them on the journey of delivering technology and how they think about it. Um, and the podcast was put together in 2019, when we had five founders, it was predominantly founders, came to us. They blew about 1.2, 1. 1. I lose number, $1 million. 1.4 million between them. Yeah, between them. And Anthony and I sat down and I said to Anthony, surely we're going to do something about this. He goes, why not put a podcast together? So that's how the podcast came together and that's how we started. And it was all about interviewing founders, had- businesses on the journey of delivering technology, non-techs predominantly. And then experts to come in and actually support them on the journey. Yeah, that's why so, businesses had gone through, I don't know how many iterations of their product and had yeah. nothing at the end of it. All yeah. of them had built the wrong thing and just built the wrong thing two, three times in some cases. Yeah, that's that's a challenging area. And it's if we can assist one or two people on a journey, that's a good win for us. So yeah. AI will just help you get to the wrong thing quicker at the moment. So you still need <laughs> well, to have the theme approach. Yeah, yeah, fail fast is obviously a good thing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, Shannon, thank you for joining us on the Ready Podcast. Really appreciate your time and insight. And, uh, yeah, let's keep in contact. I think there's quite a bit you're doing on the other side of the world. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we can share some uh, war stories. Uh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure and would love to chat anytime you'd like. So, Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. 